Music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and thank you for spending time with us on the show. We're very happy to welcome a rising star in the world of jazz, Barbara Lika, who has recently released her fourth album called You're Fine and is here to tell us all about it. Sharon Hyland, our music editor, joins us to chat about the 2019 Grammy nominations and the rise of female artists being nominated in the four major categories. We also hear her opinion on Taylor Swift's lack of nominations and why Sam Smith is probably pretty sad these days. We have new music from Mark Ronson, Miley Cyrus, and Sinead Harnett, and we close out the show by speaking to up-and-coming pop artist Bulo. But first, it's time to welcome Barbara Lika. Barbara, thank you for hanging out on The Kelly Alexander Show. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> so I'm going to do a little a retrospective for just a sec. If we can bring you back to childhood, how soon did jazz become important to you? Oh, well, my, um, my parents were both professional musicians. Uh, I should start with that. So all kinds of music were just playing in the house nonstop. <laughs> uh, a lot of a lot of European jazz too. And what happened was my my mom actually divorced and remarried an accountant, and it was the accountant who had this super extensive jazz collection, a really dedicated jazz collection. So since we just had a habit of playing whatever was around, but, you know, I started playing his his records, and from then on it was almost entirely all I listened to. <laughs> oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, because I did want to ask you, like, if you have any um, secret, like, you know, love of other things like pop music or rock or something like that. I do now. I, I mean, I think for a lot of years I was I was very closed off. I just, unless I was working out or something, and uh, I mean, working out, I didn't start working out till fourth year of university. I was against it. But... <laughs> But uh, no, I was like, I, I was just listening to it almost exclusively. And there was so much, I mean, a bit of blues, grew up with a lot of, a lot of classical music. Uh, and I was really into the Impressionists. And, and you know, it, it was kind of boot camp too. Like you would go to school and then after school, you either had, you know, piano lessons twice a week or play piano for the choir or sing in the other choir. And then you'd go to like your history of music lesson after school or your, you know, Baroque counterpoint lesson after school. So it was kind of nonstop up until I'd say in university, I started, I started listening to other things and I, I do love other things. And, and now, I mean, what I've been doing with my music is just taking elements of the stuff I grew up with and loved and trying to fuse in these cool things that I also wish I'd come across earlier. Okay, cool. Which I want to get to with regards to the album in just a sec, because I know there's some, uh, I guess, cross-blending of genres, if you will. So we're going to talk about that in just a sec. I did, though, want to ask you this. I understand, uh, if things are correct, that you actually have a degree in human biology? I do. I have. Uh, so the University of Toronto, if you want to study music, you have to take, it's called a specialist, but it's a double major in one subject. And so the cool thing about that is since you're paying so much tuition, you're actually allowed to take as many other courses as you want at all the other faculties. And I was so obsessed with school that I took enough science courses to get a third major in human biology. Oh, my God. So what does that mean? Like, are you like on the path to being a doctor? Like, how does that what does that do? Well, I, I wanted to be a doctor. And then I mean, I think I really wanted to be a vet because I'm a crazy animal lover. So, yeah, I was just getting all my prerequisites, and, you know, I I was actually so eager that I almost finished by the end of third year doing everything, and 
fourth year was kind of a joke, so I started taking extra courses that would make my my veterinarian uh, application look better. Like I took stats and and some calculus, some random things. Oh my God, you're <laughs> like a, a smart a cookie. On the marine. Yeah, I took neurobiology of marine mammals. That was fun in fourth year. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's cr- yeah. I thought I was doing well when I was in university and I took, like, Caribbean studies. But I think you have me, I think you have me beat. Joining us. Well, on- it was a really confusing time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you're definitely on the right path now. Uh, joining us on the Kelly Alexander Show, Juno-nominated Canadian jazz artist Barbara Lika. Make sure you follow her on her website, barbaralikamusic.com. You can grab all of her uh, social media handles. I did want to ask you, um, with regards to all the music you listened to growing up, do you have a favorite jazz artist? I know that's a stupid question, but is there like a top three you can give me? I mean, uh, maybe I shouldn't have such an easy answer, but the thing that always got me more than anything um, was when Ella and Louie were singing together. And I think a lot of people say that, but that was just the thing. I remember I remember so vividly just popping in Ella Fitzgerald, Louis Armstrong, this, this album, not expecting much. And I, you know, I physically fell over because I felt so emotionally like I wanted to be the third person singing with them. <laughs> That's awesome. That's very cool. And just because you explained your, uh, I guess, ability and love for things that involve math and all that... Um, does that help you a lot with jazz? Because I understand jazz can be quite technical. So do you use that part of your brain in jazz study and, and what you do and what you produce and how you write your songs? Oh, no, not at all. I'm not mathematical in, in any sense. I mean, I love the science. I did the math in that last year for two reasons. First of all, I thought that it would make my application look better. And secondly, I, I sort of had this weird thing at the end of university where I had this extra time and I decided I was going to do all the things I hate. So I just started taking math courses and working out. <laughs> but that was when I started. I just said, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hate things just because I'm bad at them anymore. And I was sick of, of just avoiding things I'm bad at. So I just, and now, I mean, like, I've, I've run, you know, I've run a few marathons now because, <laughs> but it doesn't mean, that doesn't mean I'm a runner. I'm still a crap runner and I'm still, I'm still a bad mathematician, but no, I'm the most, when it comes to music, I'm the most feeling the person on the planet. Like I, I have that knowledge and that technical knowledge, but I only use it when I'm in a bind, you know, like you've written, you've written part of the song and now you need to access your toolbox to figure out where can I go. Okay, cool. That's awesome. You are one interesting young lady, I have to tell you, Barbara. I'm really enjoying our chat. <laughs> so can you talk to us now about the new album? So your fourth album, You're Fine. Um, I guess my first question about it is, can you explain the title? Yeah, well, uh, so I should start at the beginning. I, I was in a kind of um, musical funk, and I was sort of figuring out what I could do that would excite me. Uh, and I went to this residency out in Alberta at the Banff Center, I did exactly the thing you shouldn't do. I didn't read what it was about, and I just went. I saw songwriters. Um, <laughs> and it was being run entirely by these Nashville songwriters. So these, these Nashville guys would basically every morning, you know, play country and folk music for us. And then in the evenings, you know, by dimmed light, they would sit around with guitars and sing for us and play. And I became so enamored with this world of theirs. Again, like, I'm almost like a musical baby sometimes. Like, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I wanted more. And I, um, I have this habit. I'm very 
impulsive. Like I'll book a ticket somewhere without knowing if it'll work out and then, and then try to make it work out. Like I did that with my last album. I wanted to go to London. So I just bought a ticket. (laughs) So I bought a ticket to Nashville and I just, you know, I talked to the people who run the residency. I talked to everybody I've ever, I've ever met in AR, agents, publishers, everybody. And you know, friends of friends and booked myself like a writing tour so that every day I would write with at least one person. And then at the end of every one of those sessions, I would say, do you have any friends? Can I write with them? (laughs) (laughs) And, And so I just started booking all these things and spending a lot of time in Nashville, writing with these Nashville writers and telling them like, look, we're gonna, I want what you have, but also you know, I have my jazz thing, so I don't want to just stick to, to a few chords. I want all my chords, I want my phrasing. I want to come up with something in between. And as I'm doing these trips, everywhere I go, the grocery store, um, you know, any kind of session we're doing, you mess up. Somebody just says, you're fine. And I come from Toronto. So in Toronto, you know, when you, when you bump into somebody or you need something at the grocery store, everybody says, sorry. Or no problem. You know, I've never heard this thing where they they tell you that you're fine. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, so they just kept saying it with this, that, that Nashville lilt, like, you're fine, you're fine. <laughs> um, and to the point that, you know, we're, we decided to take the whole band down, like the whole Canadian band down to Nashville to record this. And there's a Canadian engineer there. And even the Canadian engineer in between takes, because he's lived there for so long, he's telling us, like, you're fine. And it started almost like being funny to me. Like at first I thought it was rude and then I loved it. And now it's just like, it's just a thing. I mean, even if I'm, if I don't feel like I'm presentable, I'll just you know say, Hey, Barbie, you're fine. And <laughs> just keep going. That is fantastic. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what it is. You know, no matter what, you're, you're fine. Which I think is like such an American thing to say. Cause I, I think they mean it in like the best way possible. Yeah, they do. They mean it nicely, but it's so American. And it's almost like the first time you hear it, it feels abrasive. It's like, you don't know me. You don't know if I'm fine. What if I'm not fine? <laughs> Talk to us now about just, again, marrying these two genres together. Like, what were the challenges for you or the biggest challenges to make it work? Because I'm sure in your head at some point you were like, this could be super cheesy if I'm not careful. Oh, for sure. Like, you don't want to go too far, too far to one side. You don't want to sound like you're making some kind of caricature of it. But, I mean, they're very clear. When you go and write with these guys, and the more trips I would take, um, you know, the more I was sort of like making my way up and, and more interesting people were, were willing to write with me. And, um, and, and you know, they, they would say, if you do this, you're not going to get it on the radio. <laughs> Right. You know, we don't want things to be too corny. Like if, if you have these kinds of strange lyrics, you know, you're, you're not going to make it on. Like I would want, I would want weird things. We have a song where like I have a sort of three over four rhythm and it's a super, you know, jazzy thing to do, but I wanted to do it. Like it's not going to be on the radio. So when I heard it's not going to be on the radio, I knew I was onto something. Uh, what I forgot uh, was that marketing is a real thing. Yep, And I had so much fun making this album and just experimenting. I was just experimenting. It was so fun. I never had much fun making anything. I've never loved the final product more. You know, you could ask me about any of my albums. I'll be like, yeah, they're okay. I hope you like them. So it was kind of a thing afterwards where now, now you're sort of faced with the reality of the jazz people hearing a pedal steel and saying, well, that's automatically country. 
And the country people hearing me break all the country rules of country radio, even old country, you know, I'm not trying to do contemporary country, say it's not country. Right. So you're, you're kind of in between. And I'd like, you know, I'd like to just like whatever it is. But but yeah, it's not the most genre specific thing I've ever made. <laughs> that, well, that's fine. <laughs> and I would I would assume it's it can be because um, I find no matter what thing you're in, everybody wants to put you in a box, right? They want to categorize what you are and, and sort of get that out of you. Out of you. And I could, I could see that it would be, not sure if the word is annoying, but like frustrating, I would think, by having jazz people say, no, it's country, and country people saying, no, it's jazz. Yeah, I mean, like, I would say, I would say that I'm always going to be a jazz singer. I just sing like one, and I never try to sing like anything else. So there's that element to it. But, but I, I do, you know, I do believe that Jazz itself, if you look at the history of it, and you you know you look at all those records in my dad's collection, and they're all in the jazz bin um, at the record stores that don't exist. You know, Ella and Louie are jazz. So is Miles Davis. So is Ornette Coleman. You know, there's just so many things that are so different, and they're all jazz. And you get experimental free jazz, bebop. There's just so many. And if they can all be jazz, I feel like we can also enter a modern era where I take some elements from current things, contemporary things that are happening and, and infuse them with what I have and what I know. Is there a pop artist out there now that you would sort of either like to collaborate with or, or kind of like what they're doing and, and is, are maybe comp- contemplating, oh, that'd be kind of cool to sort of implement this maybe in a next jazz recording? I mean, I, I hate to say it because you're not really supposed to go there to that particular album. It's a faux pas, but I just love that, that Nora Jones album. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to, uh, you know, collaborate with those two writers that primarily wrote all that stuff with uh, Jesse Harris and, and Lee Alexander. I just think I think that Come Away With Me is a perfect album, if such a thing exists. I mean, I get mad at my mom when she says that girl has a perfect body. <laughs> but that's a perfect <laughs> album. Nothing is perfect, but that's a perfect album. <laughs> now, with regards to your fine do you have a favorite song on there? I, because I know you said that you're really pleased with this album. So do you have a favorite song or, or are they all your babies? Uh, my favorite one is Drive because it's the most, I mean, it's the most completely just about me and something that I've been trying to express. I mean, I, I, what happened, I mean, over the course of this is I wrote maybe 40, 50 songs over the period of writing this and then picked, we recorded 15 and then 12 made it. So it really is whittled down and I do like them all. But Drive is this song that um, kind of sets the tone for, for everything. You know, these are all songs about kind of being excluded in some shape or form or, or, or capacity. is <laughs> kind of the source of it all. You know, you're trying to be an entrepreneur. You're trying to do something that takes you away from stability and family and life. And it's very confusing. So it's all about relentlessly going for that and you know forsaking everything else actually following along that line do you like will we ever lose you to the states permanently are you going to stay in canada like like where do you think this is going to take you this career and do you think i guess the first question out of all of that would be do you have a choice other than to make music do i have a choice i mean (laughs) that's a hard question there was a big uh actually cbc article a little while ago with um this singer, Danny Michelle, a singer songwriter, and 
He's probably one of my favorite Canadian musicians of all time. I mean, existing now and playing. And he wrote this big article about how musicians are all quitting left, right, and center because it's very hard to make lucrative. And that, you know, we we need to expect an era where a lot of musicians are disappearing. So it's one of those things where um, it's the impossible choice and people are making it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know where where it goes. I've tried to do human biology, I've tried to be a vet. I've I've tried to do other things. I've tried to have an office job and then I was you know, I've tried to run away from music many times and been called into many offices saying, um, you know, please don't sing on the desks. Uh <laughs> when we have clients and and uh, you know, Barbara, please uh what was what was one I got? Barbara, please uh sign this form. We overheard that you're going to try to write a song about the cat we use tonight. Um, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Barbara, please don't write a song about the cat that we use tonight. Jeez. Oh, my God. <laughs> but poor Bill. Nobody ever got to know him. So so I've tried. I've tried. And, you know, I, I do think it's it's so difficult. I mean, entrepreneurialism, period, is just so hard. And you don't have an HR to talk to when you need, like, a sick leave. Yep. <laughs> You know, you have people on tour taking all kinds of crazy steroids. I mean, I've taken steroids that they give to cancer patients to try to get through a winter tour. Oh, wow. Um, And I call them, you know, little mermaid pills because they take everything away from you, but you can sing. You know, the old, you know, the old legend where like she could walk, but every step felt like it was on a bed of nails. Mm -hmm. So it's like there's so much sacrifice and there's so much pain and there's so much hope and you know, you you get an amazing thing happens and then five bad things happen. And so I like to joke that there should be like a rehab for musicians, like where they put you at your desk and, you know, you like it. <laughs> <laughs> you like this. Stay here and don't climb on that desk. No, it's not a stage. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, that's such a difficult question to answer because I would like to have a choice and it feels it feels like I don't because I I love it but it it can hurt a lot it's like a strange mistress with some amazing moments totally get it totally get it now I did want to ask you too are you um like going to tour the album like are you heading across Canada are you going other places yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what happens now in the fall is you book you start booking everything ahead. So now it's me and the team actually in Montreal at Just in Time Records. Um, they're all we're all scrambling to put it all together and get the jazz festivals in place and and do the circuit. Uh, I don't know how intensely I'm going to do it this year, but uh, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do the best I can. I do I do love touring with the guys there a really great band. I have one band that I've been working with for many years and it's the best thing I did because the old jazz way is you just call different people when you feel like it and you see what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you, uh, yeah. it's, I think it's good to have the same team around you because I think it probably brings you comfort even just when you're out on the road just knowing that you know who they are. Exactly. And you know, the guys, they have a sound now. They know how to work with each other. They know how to anticipate each other. And, and they know that because I've been hiring them for everything and they, they have a sense of ownership. Like they know I'm going to hire them. So, you know, I can count on them to do everything. Everything is memorized. The show is always rehearsal. You know, they want to rehearse with me. They want it to be good. They're proud of our show. And, and I talk about them on the show a lot. Um, you know, when I write songs, I bring it to them. I call workshops. They workshop it with me. Like we have one song 
that we did as a Texas swing because it just was not working no matter how we did it. And then the drummer, um, he said, let's do it as Texas swing. Wow. Keep these guys. Yeah, they're very much they're very much in it. I mean, they're snarky and they make fun of me all day and I hate them, but they're great. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Um, before I let you go, I did want to ask you as well. Do you have specific goals or a couple of goals that you want to accomplish within the next year to 18 months? Like, is there something because I feel like you're very goal oriented, which I appreciate as a type A person. So. <laughs> I'm horribly type A. Um, I mean, I've I've really just been enjoying the the writing aspect of things so much that my biggest goal is to. I mean, if anything, I like writing more than singing. It's just singing is something that you know my whole family did all the time, so it's easy. And and I don't like producing, so I use singing to elevate the songs. And it's all about the songs to me. And and my goal is to get out the word that you know I'm writing songs and. And find ways to place these songs and things and and maybe build towards writing for other people, too. Very cool. Well, uh, you are welcome back on my show anytime. I think you have a great vibe, a great personality, and we wish you the best of luck. Thank you. That is a Juno-nominated Canadian jazz artist, Barbara Lika. Make sure you follow her on her website, barbaralikamusic.com, and you can grab all her social media handles. Very happy to have you along for the ride on this week's Kelly Alexander Show. Please make sure you follow us on all of our social media by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. And joining us now, our music editor, Sharon Highland. And recently, Sharona, the Grammy nominations were released for the 2019 Grammy Awards, which will be held February 10th in Los Angeles. And uh, there's going to be... <laughs> There's a lot to discuss. Uh, so I guess first off, off the top, I wanted to ask you, do you still enjoy watching the Grammy Awards in and of itself? Because I know that overall there is a glut of award shows in general. Uh, step back for a second. There's a what? A glut <laughs> of award shows in general. <laughs> Indeed, there is that. Uh, I love award shows. Me too. Really, honestly. Okay. <laughs> uh, because, <laughs> but that said... I find um, there's a, a change in tone over the past few years where it becomes less about the awards and more about the people that are there and the performances. Now, I remember a time where um, you were able to watch both of those things, <laughs> the awards and people performing. <laughs> yep. Now it seems like the emphasis is way more on performance. And not that there's anything wrong with performance, because without that, we wouldn't have, uh, you know, any product to have to vote on for these awards. But I really do. I like, I remember, you know, seeing speeches um, of the artists going and talking about what they're, you know, what they remember from their experience and things like that. So um, that said, the other thing that I find has changed with, uh, with award shows and it's not even any great secret is just the overall political tone, sociopolitical tone, making sure that everybody's acknowledged properly, which is a greater reflection of how it's not done. So in society, but it, I kind of think, okay, well, let's fix it. You know, let, let's just be smart about how we're conducting ourselves. And then you think back to that, um, is it Neil Portnoy? Uh, yeah, I'm not, sure per, I'm not sure how you, is it Portnow? I'm not sure, but it's, it's spelled Portnow, Neil. Okay, so him, yep. <laughs> that guy, remember what he said last year yep. about, uh, you know, female har- artists having to step up. And I think, what? Yep. It was just such a ridiculous thing to say. But the more I thought about it, the more it's a perfect setup for this year's awards, because there are a lot of female nominees this year, but 
don't they determine who the nominees are? Well, that's it, because it's funny. I was going to actually read you the statement, so I'm going to do it now. So according to Neil Portnow, the president of the Academy, he says, quote, reflection, reevaluation and implementation were the driving forces behind recent changes to the show's processes and therefore its nominations. So he's kind of making it sound like, yeah, we fixed some things. So now here comes the ladies, which it's like a backhanded slap, I feel. Well, exactly. A perfect setup for them to um, not fail, because that was what he said last year was a, a social fail. Mm-hmm. You know, women got to step up. What? Yep. <laughs> That's ridiculous, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and it always has been ridiculous. That's what I, I if I go back to what I said before about making everything a little more like getting it right. It's not just an award show, but the, in this case, the, uh, the Grammys seem to reflect what uh, what our shortcomings are in society. I bet they never thought they'd do that. Probably not. <laughs> and the good news, by the way, is Mr. Neal is uh, stepping down after this year's Grammys, I believe, is the time frame. So, uh, well, that's th- probably smart. Oh, yeah. And I think he said something to the fact like it's time for new ideas because I feel like he's been in that job a long time. And so mm-hmm. hopefully now they'll get some fresh blood in there that just has a better, um, I would say, perspective on where we're at. And so- I agree with you. And it's a good idea in any organization to sort of uh, mandate a a term, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a prime minister in Canada or a, an American um, an American president. They, they have terms because you have to you have to freshen it up. Yeah, exactly. And uh, just getting back to the female nominees, you know, it's incredible that um, this year artists like her, Cardi B, Brandi Carlile, Casey Musgraves, um, Janelle Monae, like the list goes on. Lady Gaga, Marin Morris, um, a bunch of those ladies that I've just mentioned are up for five awards themselves like a piece so when i say those numbers what is it like like how do you feel about it does it feel like justice or is that too strong of a word well it might be too strong of a word because it it might diminish anything that came before you know Mm -hmm. like the the strength of their own merit i think is what should be getting people on a on a nominees list and and so i would hope that that's the case in this case but now after you know, the uh, suggestion of stepping it up, <clears throat> excuse me, after the suggestion of stepping it up, um, d- is it implied that these people just stepped up? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Anyways, whatever he said or didn't say, these people I have to, uh, I, I would have to approach by thinking they are qualified and um, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they, own their own merit. Of course, they are uh, more than eligible for these awards, and they've done great work. It's nice that they're uh, being acknowledged and right that they're being acknowledged. What I find interesting in an overall look at the uh, the categories is a lack of consistency for numbers. Right. Like, like some of them have eight. Some of them have five. Like, I don't understand where that got changed, where it used to be a certain number. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. if you look at the People's Choice Awards, it's always three. And yep. The winner's always there. So you know who's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, and and for this, I think it's it's weird and similar also with um, the Academy Awards where they broadened the, the scope a little bit. And, and it's fine if it acknowledges more people. Great. But like, I think determine that the number is going to be 10 or eight, but like for everything. Right. Exactly. I would agree. But I wanted to. I just like consistency. And you like numbers divisible by five. 
I do. Thank you for remembering that. I remember that. Uh, One person who I'm sure you're going to love having commentary on is uh, Taylor Swift, who is pretty much forgotten for this year's Grammy Awards. She is up for just one award, Best Pop Vocal Album. So her Reputation album was pretty much held out. Well, not pretty much. It was held out of the four major categories. Um, Do you think this is a strange situation considering Taylor usually walks away with everything or is at least nominated for everything? It is an interesting situation because she's a a very talented woman, like very talented. What drives me crazy about Taylor Swift, as you know, is how she's always front and center at the awards and always they, the camera always goes to her. So that's not her fault. Um, What I don't appreciate is that, that feigning of what? (laughs) (laughs) Like as if she didn't know she was even nominated, but that's me being maybe a bit um, (laughs) less than nice, but (laughs) I think, come on. Yeah, nominated. There was a shot you were winning, but every single time she seemed shocked. Um, I think it is interesting that she wouldn't uh, she wouldn't get more attention because she's. I find she's a solid songwriter. Mm-hmm. She knows how to write a pop song, and uh, and not even just a pop song. I think she knows how to write a good song. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe in the broadening of the scope of of uh, eligibility. Um, I don't know. Maybe I don't even know what their what their gauge is like to have rendered her <laughs> only eligible for one. Yeah, because I, I like I, I find it interesting. I'd like to say it was you know maybe they were trying to move out the usual suspects, but then Kendrick Lamar is up for eight. He's leading, and then Drake has seven. And Drake's been around for years now, constantly getting nominations, whether it's the Grammys or, or some other music um, award. So yeah, so it's interesting. And then um, Beyonce and Jay Z also held out of the major categories. They do have three nominations, but I think it's in like the R&B categories and there might be like a, a you know, a best collaboration or something. But yeah, like mm-hmm. that's, usually they are the, the giant juggernauts, right? So it was kind of interesting that they're not front and center this year either. It is interesting, but you wonder maybe, who knows, you know, like maybe this is all part of the freshening up process. The part like, of the reflection and reevaluation. Open your eyes and open your ears. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wanted um, to uh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to comment, and it wasn't going to be nice necessarily. When you mentioned Drake, wasn't there a time within the past couple of years that he had a zillion singles on the charts at the same time? Yeah, that's usually the way. Mm-hmm. And I find, and this is obviously just my opinion, not just my opinion, it's my opinion. Mm-hmm. I found God's Plan to be one of the most boring songs this year. Like, like, it sounded to me that he phoned it in. Right. Because mm-hmm. I think <laughs> it's a big name, God's plan. It's a big acknowledgement that that's what he's singing about. And yet I think it's flat. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, well, and, oftentimes I think that, like, sometimes they do kind of, quote, unquote, get away with things after you've built mm-hmm. a certain level of um, success. Yeah, like, it was... I don't know. He's not looking for my opinion, I doubt, but... Um, well, I could call him up, find out how he's feeling. <laughs> but it's here for him when he wants it. That's right. <laughs> I did want to get your opinion on this, too, because uh, in 2015, the Grammy Award darling that year was Sam Smith. He won Best New Artist, Record of the Year, Song of the Year, and Best Pop Vocal Album. This time around, with his sophomore album, he got zero nominations. Zero. Um Hmm. And and I want to know, like, it's funny because, like, I, you know, I really like Sam Smith. I think he's, like, a genuine, sensitive artist, and he cares about um, what he's doing. But it's, like, mm-hmm. in a way, I was not 
super impressed with his last album. And so I'm not, kind of, which is called The Thrill of It All. So I don't know if it's just there's more of us that we're not thrilled or wowed by it. Well, that could have been. I found what I did hear of it, what I did hear of it sounded, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Average? Grand. Oh, grand. Okay. Yeah, grand in an average way. Okay. You know, notes for notes sake. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, look, he's hitting a note. I don't know. Okay. Maybe I don't even feel like I'm sounding particularly nice today, knocking everybody <laughs> down. <laughs> but it's not, it's not a knock to them. It's my opinion of what they've done. And I, I, I should preface it all by saying that I appreciate the art that they're making. Yeah. And mm-hmm. art is completely subjective in, in every form. So um, I don't disrespect the fact that they're making it at all. They're all qualified individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, except maybe, oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. Totally kidding. Um, um but yeah, that's my opinion on, uh, on that. Well, with Sam, I will say that he put out a collaboration. I want to say it's like a month ago now. Maybe it's two with Calvin Harris. Like it's a Calvin Harris song and then he's featured on it, um, called Promises and it sounds great. So I, I don't worry for him. Although I do feel like he's probably sad because he seems like such a sweet boy. Like I feel like he's probably sad he got zero nominations, but not in like an ego way, just like, oh, that sucks, you know? And yeah, because I think there's a, a real uh, sheen to getting acknowledged by the Grammys, mm-hmm. especially uh, because of the, um, the uh, it's different. Th- it's not based on sales. Right. And yet you can't deny the popularity that is derived from sales figures, which is where the American Music Awards come to play. But there's um, a real bragging rights quality to uh to being acknowledged by the grammys i did want to bring this up i I bet you were right he is probably sad yeah i feel he's sad um one of my favorite categories um is best new artist because sometimes it's like completely out of left field like do you remember when esperanza spalding won and it was just so shocking but i mean she's an amazing artist and she continues to to do good things but yeah it was just so funny because i was like who (laughs) i think a lot of people were like that when she won um exactly so this year uh dua lipa is going up against bb rexa georgia smith her greta uh, greta van fleet like uh luke combs i think is another one um first of all it's it's kind of interesting to put bb rexa in there because she's been around for a while so it's kind of interesting that they put her in 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 this category um do you have a favorite going in to best new rogers this time around um as a um a rock DJ, yeah. <laughs> I would be pulling for Greta Van Fleet. I find okay. that uh, of all the acknowledgement that the Grammys provides, they don't ignore um, rock categories. They cover everything. We know that. But um, in general, on the award shows, it's not necessarily uh, the rock categories that get aired for the awards that win. Yeah. Um, and it's not always that the rock bands get to play. Right. So... I, I think I'd be pulling for uh, for Greta Van Fleet just because um, because we play them a lot on the stations where I work. So it's uh, it's nice that they're acknowledged because they're uh, they are strong. They they in my estimation and to my ear and to everybody else's ear have a strong influence of uh, the classic rock that has preceded them by at least one generation. Okay, um, but they're they're not just. It doesn't to me sound like they're just knocking off or you know, just imitating. They're a strong four unit and each of the uh, parts of their puzzle are uh, 
demonstrate strength in their ability. Not, you know, and it's an equal, uh, in my opinion, equal four parts for them. You can't help but draw a line between uh, their singer and, uh, let's say, Robert Plant. Their their Led Zeppelin influence is uh, quite clear. Yet at the same time, you have to be able to hit those notes in order to get a comparison like that. And uh, and he can. Um, I am making no secret that I am a huge fan of her. And so Mm -hmm. I love that she got five nominations, especially because she really didn't have an album. It was two EPs that were kind of, I guess, viewed as it being put out together. Because it was, um, I used to know her part one and part two, or volume one and volume two, whatever. Anyways, I recently mm-hmm. saw her perform in Montreal, and I just cannot tell you how amazing she is. Like, she plays, like, four different instruments. She writes a lot of the songs. And um, her main thing has been that she doesn't want really anybody to know her identity, so she always wears sunglasses, and she, nev- she never wants it to be about her. Which is kind of funny considering the name, her name, her stage That's name her is her. Name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I'm super happy for her. And she was like over the moon on social media, just like can't believe that this is happening and all that sort of stuff. So I'm pulling for her. But I have to say in Best New Artist, I'm also pulling for, for BB Rexa because I know what she's been through to get where she is. And so mm-hmm. and she's just a firecracker. Like I've interviewed her before and she's been through, through the ringer. So I wish her all the best of luck to you. And Sharon, before I let you go, I did want to round out our discussion by bringing up Miss Lady Gaga uh, because mm-hmm. she's been nominated for five Grammys. One for her uh, song Joanne off her Joanne album, and then four mm-hmm. for her song Shallow with Bradley Cooper. Not to mention, I'm just going to throw this in here, she does have a Golden Globe nomination as well for Best Actress for A Star Is Born. So uh, do you think that the 2019 or tail end of 2018 award ceremonies is just going to belong to Lady Gaga? Because like, it just seems like this is her year again. Um. I uh, I hope so, because I, I, I love the uh, the path. I love having watched what uh, what she's done and and her bumps along the way and her ultimate uh it's just a collection of victories even even when it didn't seem like them so i, I hope that uh i hope that she gets all the attention that uh, that's coming to her perfect sharon thank you for this as always kelly thank you <laughs> that is our uh, music <laughs> editor sharon highland and of course we'd love for you to tune into the podcast that we host together 90s now all the 90s all the now and you can check us out on stitcher google play itunes and of course 90s now.com the kelly alexander show bringing you fresh sounds like this You're listening to the sounds of English musician, DJ, and producer Mark Ronson, who has produced songs for the likes of Adele, Amy Winehouse, and Lady Gaga, not to mention the success he's had with his own tunes like Uptown Funk with Bruno Mars. He's back with this new single called Nothing Breaks Like a Heart, featuring Miley Cyrus. Now, this song is getting a lot of positive praise. It has a great driving beat, and her country gal vocals fit the mood amazingly well. This song, by the way, is the first track off his upcoming new album, which Mark has said will have a lot of, quote, sad bangers. By the way, a big shout-out to Mark Ronson, who just picked up three Grammy nominations for helping to co-write Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper's song Shallow and Silk City's Electricity. So when you ask me, I don't have to pretend Knowing that it's you and me until the end I don't need another lesson Singer Sinead Harnett hails from London, England. Her music career got going in 2011, and she picked up buzz with her debut EP, Now, which was released in 2014. 
Sinead has been influenced musically by the Fugees, Whitney Houston, Lauryn Hill, and Michael Jackson, and she's just released this new song called Lessons, which has a great mid-tempo vibe. She really has a great set of pipes. I hope she's around for a long, long time. New music on The Kelly Alexander Show. We'd love for you to subscribe to the show. We are available on major podcast platforms like iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and Google Play. And don't forget you can grab all of our social media handles by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Now it's time to take a listen to our recent conversation with up-and-coming pop artist Bulo, who's already had solid success this past year with her songs Not A Love Song and Two Punks In Love. The Kelly Alexander Show. Very excited to welcome to The Kelly Alexander Show, Bulo. Hello. Hi. So you have had this crazy year with uh, two amazing songs. I know you've had more, but the ones that are sort of out on the radio, uh, This Is Not A Love Song or Not mm-hmm. A Love Song and Two Punks In Love. I know they're both your babies, but do you have a favorite out of the two of them? I feel like Two Punks in Love just always brings me back. It gives me a very like homey feeling because it's the kind of stuff I was doing in the very beginning. It's very acoustic, stripped back, and that's kind of how I started uh, with songwriting. So whenever I sing that, it just feels like home. So maybe that one. Talk to us about the fact that you play guitar. I have a couple of questions about you and the guitar. First of all, um, is it the only instrument you play? Yes. Okay. Is it an extension of you? Yeah, the thing is, in the very beginning, it was like I couldn't perform without my guitar. And it was like almost that like security, you know, safety blanket. I think like a lot of artists will tell you that it's just like it's a lot easier for me in the beginning to perform whenever I had it. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm performing more without it, I think I'm like learning to be okay without it. But in the very beginning, it was like I couldn't leave the house uh, without it. I recently interviewed Ali X, who I don't know if you've heard of her before, but she talked about how, like, I guess the piano is for her, like, you know, that's how she writes songs and stuff. She's actually pulled herself off playing the piano because she finds that she ends up playing the same, like, chord progressions. Do you find that that's a problem when you're writing with a guitar? 100%. Yeah. 100%. I think, like, getting in the room with other creative minds, other producers is, like, the most, it just, like, expands my mind so much more. Okay. How do you feel when you write a song? Like, do you have a specific process? Do you always need to be in some kind of zone, or do you write anywhere anytime any place I can really write anywhere anytime any place I think like inspiration doesn't always come just like that mm-hmm. and I think sometimes people expect that you know you're oh you can always be inspired but it's like it, it comes and it goes you know there's moments where you feel more inspired than other times so yeah I saw on your Instagram you and a picture of a trumpet is that an instrument that you're going to take up or is that just for no okay. <laughs> that was just for Instagram <laughs> okay cool is there an instrument you'd like to learn though Yeah, I definitely want to play uh, the piano. Okay, that's cool. Now, I want to know, when you are on stage, do you actually see people or do you see the crowd as a whole? I feel like I like seeing people. I've had like a few performances where everything was like black and it just, it felt like I wasn't really like performing to people. It just felt like it was like more me performing for myself. Mm -hmm. And I find like the performances where I can actually see people's faces, it's way more like collaborative in that way. So I prefer it. Do you prefer performing in clubs or do you like doing festivals? I know it's a different vibe entirely. It's so different. Yeah, it's so different, but I feel like I really do appreciate like very intimate and small shows. Okay. If you could switch places with any artist for a day, who would it be and why? Hmm. Anybody. I gotta say Avril Lavigne again. Man. Okay. Yeah, it's gotta be her. What favorite song do you love from her? Do you have like a bunch? Is there like an album oh that, my God, that's your jam? Oh my God, so many. Yeah, no, I love I love Complicated. That's obviously one of her biggest tracks. I love What the Hell. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Black Star. I wanted to get your take. I know you have the two EPs out. Mm-hmm. And I know that right now with the genre of music that you are in, it's very much a singles market. Like most people just put out singles mm-hmm. and singles and singles. Is it important for you as an artist to have an album? And, like, 100%. An album? I feel like... 
I feel like having a big piece of art that really tells more about an artist. And I feel like when you have multiple songs, that's when people can kind of get more of an idea of who you are as an artist and what you're trying to achieve. And I feel like with one song, it often doesn't, for me at least, do justice. I want to know, who are you listening to these days? I feel like I'm listening to, I feel like my music is really like a combination of all the things that I love listening to. And okay. so that goes from like hip hop to R&B to more pop stuff. And so I really love like digging into all of those genres. I noticed on your Instagram that you were at a women's march, I believe it was last year. And it seems like there's some other issues that you actually care about as a person, as an artist. Do you find a responsibility as a young artist to speak on maybe how the world is th these days? For sure. I think no matter how big your platform is, you should be always, you know, trying to fight for what you believe in. And that's, I guess, what I'm trying to do. And I think the bigger the platform grows, the more influence that you can uh, really have in the world. And that's that's very important to me. As an artist, in the end, what do you want to be remembered for, do you think? By my music. Just I want people to listen to my music the same way that they are in 10 years. And I just wanted to keep going. Awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you. Bulo on The Kelly Alexander Show. The Kelly Alexander Show. That just about does it for us. Thank you so much for spending time with us on the program this week. We always appreciate it. And a big thank you going out to our guests as well, Barbara Lika and Bulo. Also to our super producer, Adam Brisson, for pushing all the right buttons. Please don't forget that you can grab all of our social media handles by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. We'd also love for you to check out our interviews on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash kellyalexandershow. Have an amazing week. You and I will chat soon.